Welcome to the podcast entitled Last Ones at the Bar. We're here to talk about all of the important affairs this week in the sport of boxing. My name is Wilton Henry, and I'm joined by Daniel Lee and Lavelle Jackson. So today, fellas, I want to start off by asking you gentlemen two separate questions. Um, typically, Daniel, I ask you about whether or not you're going, you're entertaining the idea of going amateur or not. But really, um, the question I have for you is, um, have you been sparring lately and how is that going? And then, Vail, for you, you sent out a message to us about two, three weeks ago, and you was putting in some mean work on that heavy bag. And so I just wanted to ask you, you know, um, when you were coming up, did you ever think about becoming a boxer? Um, so those are two questions that I have for you, fellas. So for me, um, I guess I didn't tell you guys, but I was actually in a car accident about three weeks ago. And physically, I'm okay. But I've just been in the chiropractor's office uh, multiple days out of the week, which has set back my training schedule. So um, I just got back into it yesterday, actually. And so, uh, but the coach did tell me that uh, his guys are in camp. Some of them have fights next week, but uh, but he wants me to get back in there. So probably in a few weeks, I'll probably be back in the mix. Just got to get my cardio back up as quick as possible and see how I'm Yeah, well, well, did you um, sustain any – like what type of injuries did you sustain? How bad was it? It wasn't bad. I didn't feel anything right away, but um, I had a little bit of spasming in my in my arm and in my back for a time. Um, basically, I was I was at a stoplight and I was rear-ended. I'm guessing the guy, he was a younger guy, and he was just kind of on his phone, not paying attention. But, you know, I was in a in a Toyota. He was in a in, in an Avalon. He was in a, a Florida, Ford Explorer. Mm. And so impact on his truck versus my car were, were way different. But um, for the most part, the pain, I, I didn't feel any, like, acute pain outside of the spasming, and that's gone away. So I'm, I'm feeling like myself Man, that's now. good to know. Yeah, you know, when you was telling the story, to be honest with you, I said, I know he's a fan of Errol Spence. I know he's not trying to emulate Errol Spence to that degree. <laughs> nah, he got that one. <laughs> uh, for me, um, I guess you all know, I've always been sort of a boxing fan, but I really didn't start following it seriously um, until the early 2000s and up to 2005, 2006. And then at that time, I'm like, uh, you know, 25, 26 years old. Uh, and I remember uh, studying, you know, reading books because, you know, Internet wasn't it was out, but it, it wasn't it was limited information. I mean, YouTube wasn't really as big as it is now. So I read books on, you know, how to drill through a jab. Actually, on, on this book, uh, two of them actually is one is called How to Box and the other is called um, Boxing Mastery. So I would just all I had to do was look at the pictures, and you know see how to wrap your hands, how to throw a jab, how to throw a hook, and how to throw this, how to throw that. And I would, uh, you know, buy bags and start, you know, hitting the bag and stuff like that. Uh, sometimes, if, if, you know, certain people were willing, you know, we would try it out on each other, see if it worked, and stuff like that. So I enjoyed the angles and things of that nature. Um, as far as uh, turning amateur or training seriously and, or turning pro, I didn't give it much thought because at the time, I mean, I'm about, I was about 25, 26. And, you know, right now I'm 40. So for a guy that's like, you know, 
uh, under five six. I'm like five two, five three to be exact. You know, trying to to, to be a lightweight. Those guys, you know, they're pretty much retired by the time they're like thirty because you have to get down and wait and uh, fight at low weight and, and it's high activity. It's not like um, heavyweights, which you you can start late. And, and of course, my my family wouldn't be too thrilled about me uh, taking punches to the head after you know spending money for college. So, <laughs> so uh, it's just something I enjoy and, and like being part of. I like the atmosphere, you know, um, like the people whenever I go out to boxing events. But no, I never really gave it thought of being an amateur, nothing outside of training and, and probably even sparring, but not really uh, trying to compete. Oh, I got you. But I was thinking more so, you know, you was thinking trying to drop down and get down to 135. I was thinking that you might be trying to, you know, do a Dwight Muhammad Kawi, you know what I'm saying, and maybe go light heavyweight, you know, <laughs> and Kawi, uh, you know, like the Camden saw, you know, but hey. We all have our, our career paths and the direction that we want to take our lives. And I think that you made a smart decision. Um, as far as today's episode, today's going to be short but sweet. Not a lot going on in the sport uh, of boxing. But we, we will be recapping three fights and making a prediction on a big fight that's coming up next week. Uh, today, we're going to start off with that huge event yesterday that took place in Miami between the number one pound-for-pound boxer in the world, Canelo Alvarez, versus his mandatory, Abney Yildred. Uh, what did you guys think of Canelo's performance last night? I thought it was an excellent performance from Alvarez. It, it wasn't much to see. You know, it, uh, Canelo came in this fight 55-1, uh, and one, the lone loss to, to, of course, Floyd Mayweather Jr. Uh, with 37 knockouts uh, against Abney Yildred. Uh, 21 and two with uh, 12 knockouts. Um, it's, it's. I, I think I expected more from Yildren. I, I knew it was going to pretty much. I, we we all probably predicted a beatdown, but um, you know, Canelo came out being his usual self, and it was interesting because Canelo didn't rush it. He was patient. He still got the you know the uh, the drop on uh, Yildren very really, very quick. Um, he, you know, he was throwing his jabs. He was throwing body punches early. You know, it almost seemed like he was trying to get rounds in the bank. And, uh, of course, uh, and once the third round came about, um, he hit uh, Yildren with a, a good combination and knocked him down. And Yildren was very staggered, got up. Um, and at the end of the round, his uh, trainer, Yoel Diaz, made a decision to stop the fight. Uh, whether that... Uh, decision was premature who knows we knew he was outgunned but um th- uh, this wasn't like um Josecito Lopez when he fought uh Alvarez he didn't take a beating like that it, it was I, was I was actually astounded to even see the the copy back copy box numbers and see that it, it, they, they did throw more punches than I thought because this fight was very very short from what I saw um, I think the the ring walk and, and constant performance was longer than the fight. Uh, but again, I mean, Alvarez showed who he is. Uh, he took his time and still um, he didn't show no mercy once he, he started going. Um, he really could have ended this fight in the first round, first or second round, and been vicious with it. <laughs> so, so um, 
Yildren didn't show much. Um, at first, I thought Yildren actually was the one who made the decision to stop the fight, but it was actually his trainer. So um, he didn't really necessarily quit. Uh, he was just outgunned, and his trainer knew it and pulled him out. Not much this, this, not much to add to that. Right. Um, you know, as far as recapping the fight, again, you did a wonderful job of doing that, so I won't say much about that. But leading up to the fight, um, I just noticed how, how comfortable, like, Canelo looks, and, you know, he was looking real comfortable all week leading up to the fight. Even at the weigh-in, he had on, like, some silk pajamas. And, you know, he's, like, smiling a lot more. I hear him speaking English. He just – his confidence is through the roof right now. Um, And he's so confident that he already has his year pretty much planned out. He already knew that he was going to take on Caleb Smith. And then he had everything planned. So I'm going to take on Yildren. Then I got a fight in May. Then I got the fight in September. Like, who's that confident right now to be able to, like, just schedule fights, you know, ahead of time like that? And then he has some pretty elite-level competition that's coming up, but he's already looking past guys. So, like I said, his confidence through the roof right now. It's kind of like he's the Harlem Globetrotters facing the Washington Generals of boxing. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, you know, then also before the fight, he's starting to do things like having these epic um, – ring entrances like yesterday you had jay balvin um coming in you know that was a, a pretty good he made it like a huge uh, event you know and it, and it kind of matches his status as who he is in boxing right now so i mean that's good to see he's just building on his legacy and you know he's getting um handsomely rewarded for the work that he's putting in um during a fight like i said you did a, a really good job i'm not going to speak on too much more of that but one thing I will say, like, this is the third fight that I'm seeing where guys that Canelo was facing, that they do the opposite of what I'm thinking that they're going to do when they enter the ring. I thought Yildrum was going to at least go out on the shield. I thought that he'll be throwing punches and then he'll just get clipped by Canelo because Canelo is the superior technician. But I just felt like he wasn't doing anything. Like I said, it's the third time that I've seeing that like Kovalev he just looked like I don't know what it is I don't know if the fact that you're fighting the number one pound for pound fight in the world these huge events that guys just shell up is Canelo just like that good where you don't want to throw punches against them like I don't know it, it just and then Smith was the same I thought he would do the same thing like I saw him exchange more with other guys but they seem so reluctant and canelo doesn't seem like he's the biggest puncher in the world but he's he can hit now don't get me wrong like he can do some damage to you but not to the point where you are afraid to just throw punches so that's what is surprising to me and alarming to me maybe it's a combination of both he's that good in these events have his opponent um not willing to throw um punches like they typically have done throughout the course of their careers but overall, man, Canelo, he did what he had to do. Um, and up next, you know, you got Billy Joe Saunders. And I think that, you know, that's going to be a better fight, at least for the first half of the fight. But, you know, good performance by Canelo. I won't add too much to what you guys said, but I think it is his punching power, you know, because, you know, you look at these fighters when they're fighting other you know, their their predecessors or the guys that he fought before Canelo, and then you see how they fight against Canelo. I think, you know, when Canelo throws that body hook and you and you catch him for the first time, 
your your plans might change. You know, that that's the only thing I can see happening. Um, you know, but that said, you know, it was more or less what I expected it to be. Um, you know, Canelo, like you said, well, Canelo just looked very calm, came out, wasn't overly aggressive, just was was really just picking his shots and you know, he he caught him with the one two in the third round and knocked him down. Um I as a fan and as someone who who uh you know relatively participates in the sport. I can see how a fan would want someone to see someone go out on their shield, you know, but I, I applaud uh, Diaz as a trainer because nothing good would have come in that fourth round. You know, it would have been exciting to see the ref either stop it or it would have been exciting to see um, one single shot be, be a knockout shot as a fan, but, but nothing good would have come out, you know, nothing good was coming for Yodrum in that fourth round if you would have came out there. Um, but, you know, respect to both fighters. Um, you know, Yodrum caught some heat from the commentators because they said they were disappointed in, in him and thought he was going to do more. But, you know, I, based on what I had seen in Yodrum pre- previously and based on what I was seeing in that fight, I'm not sure he could have done much differently. I mean, he could have thrown more, but he would have got countered more. And so, um, you know, I don't know what else he could have done differently. But, but you know. Yeah, Dave, if you don't mind. The only thing I, I want to say to that, though, is that, see, here's the, the problem that I have with some of those guys. Like, these opportunities, you don't get these opportunities um, often. And when you get those opportunities, you have to go for it, you know. Now, conceivably, Yildren, I don't know what his purse was for the fight. Maybe that's what he was looking for. I don't know. But what all I'm saying is, is that when you get the opportunity to fight the number one fighter in the world, this huge event, this is life changing, life altering. And I just think that, again, you go all out in that situation. Like, I just didn't see him. He was nothing like the guy that I've seen before. And, Vail, you mentioned this in a previous um, episode where you were saying that this is going to be an entertaining beatdown just based on his style, like just based on the way he fights. Now, if he took the approach where he decided, he says, you know what, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to throw Canelo off and I'm just going to box him. Like, I didn't even see him doing that. I just seen him sitting in front of him and just scared to do stuff or he just wasn't doing it. Like, I don't I don't know. I just, the disappointing thing for me when it comes to him is that I just think when you get an opportunity like that, you 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 know, you go for it. You know what I mean? Like, that's your opportunity right there. If not, then let somebody else get that opportunity. Who will? You're, you're actually 100% correct, Will, and I no. agree with you. I actually agree with you, Will, and this is why. It's because, um, yeah, you do put your life in, in danger when you, when you box whatever and, and, and partake in a sport. And a combat sport like that, um, but at the same time, um, what is Yojin going to be remembered for? You know, and sometimes in boxing, this happens a lot more in MMA. But in boxing, it still is true. Even if you give a great performance and a loss, you get paydays from that. I mean, we've seen, you know, guys like even like Josecito Lopez, like I just mentioned, you know. Uh, Guys like even Arturo Gotti. And I'm not saying you have to be exactly like these guys, but they were they were the type of guys that 
people pay to see them even if they lost, you know. So um what is your where is Yojin gonna go from here? You know, I mean he actually got a payday, but how many more paydays is he gonna get after this? And I'm not I'm not trying to harp on him or, you know, be critical of him because yeah, he, he got in the ring with Canelo and Canelo is the number one guy. Um but at the same time, um I, I think about the future too and and, and what who 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 is Yodum gonna fight next? And you know, how much he's gonna get paid for that fight. You know, when I think of those things, I think of, you know, what went on in the Canelo fight. No, that's a that's a fair assessment. I could I could see that. Um yeah, in, in the sense of, you know, you gotta go out on that and, and think for your future. Yeah. It's a it's a tough balance, you know what I mean? But but no, yeah, and, and Canelo he, he made my bad, um Danny. I was just gonna say, and Canelo, he may be punching like that because when he was at 154 and 160, maybe that was robbing him of some of the power, you know, even though he was powerful. But it just seemed like now the guys that he's facing, like 168, they're reluctant on throwing punches. And maybe he just – because maybe that's why he's so comfortable and so happy when you see him in interviews and things like that as well is because he don't have to, um, you know, kind of starve himself. But he just looks so small against those guys too. Like, Yildren just look his back and everything. I'm like, man, you know, impose some of that, you know, size on the smaller guy, you know. But I just didn't see it. But, you know, for whatever reason, who knows? Yeah, I think so, too. I, I think uh, I agree with you, Will, on that point if, about Canelo's weight. You know, um, I think they, both of you guys have, have a point that works together is that um, because he doesn't have to drain down, maybe he does punch that hard, you know, at the higher weight. <laughs> I mean, he's not – I mean, he's not tall. I mean, he's a big guy. But, I mean, he's a short guy, but he's kind of built like a tank in a way. And you see the the – the impact of his punches, especially even in the last fight with Callum Smith, where, he, where the, the 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 arm punch that this it looked like it dislocated the you know Smith's bicep. I mean, that's some hard stuff, you know. Yeah. So uh, I think it is it might be the you know the weight was taken you know fr- from him his effectiveness and his punching power. Early, early in the wee hours of, of that uh, Friday night, going into Saturday morning. And New Zealand, I believe, we had a heavyweight bout, Joseph Parker versus Junior Fa. Did you guys see it? And if you did see it, how'd you see it going? I saw the fight um, between Joseph Parker, who was 28-1 with 21 KOs going into the fight, and Junior Fa was 19-0 with 10 knockouts um, entering into this match. I'm I'm not even going to kid you. Like, this was a tough fight to watch um, because after the first 30 seconds, I'm like, I don't know what to tell these fellas. I'm not gonna be able, to, <laughs> I'm gonna be able to do this. You know what I'm saying? Because it was like I'm talking about within that 30 seconds, I knew that this was going to be a tough one to watch. And I, it was like six or seven different times where I had to fight on my iPad, but then I got to doing stuff, other stuff, and it distracted. So then finally, I had a chance to sit down and take a look. And I'll let you guys recap the fight a little bit more than what I'm gonna say. But before the fight, um during the introductions and everything i didn't like that either because both of them were playing to the crowd they're out there smiling and you know all of this type of stuff and really you look at both guys they look like they could have been relatives you know with each other and then as the fight took place that even further the fact of them potentially or possibly being relatives because they did so much hugging during the fight you know now in its totality hmm. it wasn't 
totally a dull fight, but it definitely wasn't anything special. You know, it was certain times where they did exchange, like towards the tail end of the fight. Um, and like to me, you know, going into the fight, I thought of Parker. I remember one time on HBO, Jim Lampley was talking about the upcoming heavyweights and he had like four or five different guys on there. And Parker was one of the main guys he was talking about as being one of the elite heavyweights out in the sport. He hasn't lived up to that billing from what I've seen. And this fight proved just that like he at his best, like he's good when he like throws like these wild flurries. And then after he finishes the flurry, he'll either clinch or he'll just like, get out of range, but that's pretty much it. Like, that's all you, you're going to get from it. He's really not that big of a puncher either. So, um, again, when I looked at the fight, I didn't revisit it to see who actually won the fight. It was real close. It could have went either way to me. I leaned towards Parker a little bit, but only thing I'm going to say is I'll give this fight the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good was that you had like 8,000 fans crammed into, I think, that Spark Arena out there, and – Auckland, um, New Zealand. So, I mean, that COVID restrictions seemed like they out the window. So that, that was a good thing. The other uh, thing about this fight is they both seem to be really nice guys. You know, they, you know, really fine lads out there, you know, some jolly old chaps. You know, that, that's another good thing about this fight. But the bad thing was, just like I mentioned, it was like a lot of hugging during a fight, lots of lull in the action. Um, and the ugly is these guys aren't going to beat anybody good at the heavyweight division. They just don't have it. Like, they're not good enough to do that. Um, and I think that Parker is looking towards fighting Chisora. He might be able to beat Chisora. Like, that's going to be the cap in terms of somebody who he can beat in a heavyweight division. But as far as who won, it was close. Uh, but if you haven't seen this fight, I wouldn't be, like, looking to – you know, look it up on YouTube or anything like that. I just check boxing rec on this one. Yeah, it was definitely a hard one to get through. Um, it was just a lot of a lot of clinching and, and clinching just slows the fight down. Um I I did kind of break it down as I was watching it and kind of took some notes and in the earlier rounds, um, you know, I gave most of the earlier rounds to Parker. Foss seemed to come back in the mid rounds. And, and and the the later rounds were kind of a mixed bag, but you know in general, uh, Parker was busier and went to the body a lot. According to the CompuBox, uh, Parker landed 163 out of 490 shots, and 106 of those were body shots that he landed, um, which is equal to the total shots that Fa landed, which was 106 out of 394, and so. Um, you know, that was a relatively decent output for, for heavyweights in terms of the punching. Watching in the action was, was kind of difficult. I personally gave it uh, to Parker, 115, 113. He didn't look amazing, won mostly off of activity. And and like you said, well, you know, I guess really before he fought and lost to Anthony Joshua, he was kind of highly touted as this, you know, as this great heavyweight. And I'm not saying that I, I don't want to ever want to put a fighter down, but um, I didn't see the great heavyweight. You know, um, Fa was unranked coming into this fight. And so 
for him to have struggled in spots the way that he did um, wasn't a good look in terms of how he's perceived as a heavyweight and, and his outlook looking forward. Hey, Danny, you're a better man than me because I could not score this fight. I actually felt bad for the judges, uh, except the one that had it <laughs> 119 and 109 for uh, Joseph Parker. <laughs> I was like, that was a crazy scorecard. But this fight was hard to score. It, it was a lot of uh, holding and clinching. And, and it was funny is they would tease us a little bit and, and throw these fur flurries. I'm like, oh, I'm about to see something. And then they would just go back to clinching and hugging. So um, and and those combinations were fast too for heavyweights. I was like, oh, okay, these guys throw. This would be a, a awesome fight. But they kept, you know, holding, clinching, and and uh, they were holding so much and touching each other around so much. It, it was easy. You wasn't watching their shorts, the color of their shorts, and easy to lose track of who was who. And that goes into your point, Will, them being possibly being relatives. Sometimes you didn't know who was who when they would start tussling a lot. And I'm like, what is going on here? You know, um, they hugged a lot. You know, they, they, they threw a, they threw a few flurries that looked like it had the the, the possibility of being exciting. Um, but it, it, it just wasn't a good look for for the he, a heavyweight division. You know, uh, I I expected more from Junior Fa. I thought he still probably edged his fight. Uh, I wasn't sure, but I, I definitely know he didn't lose a. a like the, the scorecard, one of the scorecards only having win in one round. I thought he did a lot better in that. But um, that pretty much not much else to say about this fight. You guys have anything else? No, no, no. We can go on from this one. Bro. <laughs> nope. Okay. <laughs> so last night uh, we had another card. Uh, it it was on around the same time the Canelo fight was on. Uh, the fight took place. A little bit, a little bit earlier though too. It it, it was over and done with right before uh, Canelo came out. Uh, this was a PBC card with Anthony Durrell versus Kyron uh, Davis. Uh, did you guys check this fight out? Uh, if you did, what, what's your thoughts on it? I did see it. Uh, just to set the stage a bit, uh, Durrell going into the fight was thirty-three, two and one with twenty-four knockouts. Davis. 15 and two with six knockouts. Davis uh, actually moved up from middleweight to super middleweight to take this fight. And this was a fight where uh, Darrell was hoping to set himself up for a third title fight or a third title shot and then title reign. And um, however, he's 36 and he hadn't fought since the Spence and Porter undercard in 2019. Uh, throughout the fight, Davis was was kind of busy and showed a great chin. Um, in the earlier rounds, Darrell was kind of looking to get his timing, but Davis was, was moving around a lot. He he didn't really set his feet a whole lot to, to land any shot of significance. My guess going into it was probably because of his size and because uh, he did lose some size to, to Darrell. And so um, Darrell was looking to kind of sit down and, and get his timing right so he could land some shots of, of, of meaning. The middle rounds were a little bit more fast-paced. Uh, Davis did a little bit more infighting and, and less kind of uh, moving around. But he, he remained busy, still had a, a pretty solid output overall. And in the later, in, in the championship rounds, uh, Darrell 
tend to land the cleaner and harder shots while Davis remained busy and fought hard but didn't really land any significant shots, even in the 12th round where he seemed to to just kind of go for it more. And the copy box numbers had it. Uh, Darrell landed 161 out of 435, uh, whereas Davis landed 139 out of 521 shots. Um, I scored it. Uh, 115, 113. Uh, Darrell, I thought he won convincingly, but as someone who wanted, I- I'll just say this Darrell going into it said he wanted the title shot, and you know, you could argue that it was ring rust, but you know, he's ranked fourth in the ring rankings. Davis is unranked at both 160 and 168. Again, he moved up from 160 to fight at 168 for this fight. If you look at the landscape of super middleweight, uh, you have Billy Joe Sanders, who's a title holder, who is about to fight um, the WBA and WBC champion, Canelo. So the winner of that will have the WBO, WBA, WBC. Uh, Plant is the IBF champion. And so when you look at Darrell's expectations and you look at the landscape of super middleweight, um, this was not a good showing for him. And, you know, um, he's had a, a very successful run at super middleweight thus far. I'm not sure he, he may get a title shot in the future, but, um, you know, with the current champions that I'm, that I'm looking at and that I just named off, I'm not sure if I see him making a third title run. Yeah, that was an excellent, uh, breakdown, Danny. Um, this was an interesting fight to watch. The uh, rail, t- very, very, very tough guy. I give my hats off to him. Uh, he, he, he's a tough cat, you know. But at the same time, he's also uh, 36 years old. We don't know how many more years he has left. But this fight, this fight was interesting. He came out. Uh, he was poised. He didn't. What I liked about the rail. Also in this fight, he didn't over move. You know, he, he stood his ground, and Tyron uh, Davis was over moving. You could tell he was kind of nervous and jittery, and it, it took him a few rounds to really settle down and, and get into the groove. But when even when he did, he you know he had some fast combinations, uh, like you said, Danny. All of them weren't landing, but they were uh, effective enough to to make it look like he was doing some work. Um, so this fight was. You know, um, it was a close fight. Uh, I didn't necessarily score it, but if I did, I, I would have probably given it a, either derail by the scores you did, Danny, 115 to 113, or a draw. Uh, I thought Davis was making, making it close enough uh, in the middle rounds. Uh, and even, the, even down the stretch when derail was landing those hard punches, uh, it seemed like he wasn't landing a, a lot of them. And, and maybe I was giving – Davis a little bit of score for having a chin because I was very impressed that he was able to take his punches, especially as a, a, a smaller guy, you know, moving up. Uh, as they said, the telegas, he fought at, you know, 154 at one point. So he's at 168. He's obviously a smaller guy. And sometimes I was like, mm, if, Dur- if Durrell needs to step on it and try to stop this guy, he never really stepped on it. Um, I like that Durrell still sharp. His punches are still sharp. He still has decent combinations. Uh, it seemed like his feet was, was very, very slow. And he, he, it seemed like uh, he had slowed down considerably 
his footwork has, and it was almost like he was walking his cement. Like they was just moving around, and, and you know, and and trying to frustrate him. But I did think that Darrell did enough to to edge that fight. Um, but one thing, one problem I did have with the commentators. Um, now I don't have a problem with, with them stating that you know Darrell is winning, but when they have to explain to the audience like why he's winning and all this, and keep on doing it, it, it gave a bad taste in my mouth of like. Um, like they had an agenda or something, because it's like I mean you don't have to explain to me what I'm seeing. I can I, I'm watching the fight, you know. I I I don't have a problem. Again, I don't have a problem with them saying, well, we had Darrell winning, blah 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 blah. But it, it seemed like they had to over-explain why he's winning, as if trying to convince us that Darrell is winning. It's like almost like like they knew that he was having more trouble than they expected. Was trying to make a case that he's winning, and I really didn't really like that from the commentators. But you know. Hats off to the, the rail. I don't think, as you said, Danny, he's in a uh, tough weight class. Um, it's it's hard to tell a fighter like what they should and shouldn't do. But I mean, he's been in some tough fights. He's been cut a lot, and I don't, I don't think it, with the current landscape of 168, I don't think it's going to get any better for him. <laughs> I mean, uh, I want you know, as, as a, a fellow Michigander, I want to see someone like the rail, you know, go out, you know happy and paid, you know, in the field. Um, maybe picks up a title, maybe doesn't. But I would I will want his health more than I would want, you know, uh, him to get a, just a title, you know. So what well, hats off to him, you know. I thought he edged the fight, or the fight could have been a draw. I didn't think he wanted, you know, going away, or that Davis wanted going away. Uh, I knew the score cards was, was going to look interesting. I knew they were going to – going to look different than what the commentators were trying to, you know, state. Yeah, I, I think that the dog going to be all right. I think he might have, like, maybe a one one or two year um, years left, you know, when it comes to fighting at the elite level. That That's a tough draw for him right there. You got a guy that he's facing, although Davis wasn't ranked, he's still like getting closer and closer to reaching his peak. So he's on an upswing. And even though his record was 15 to uh, 15 and two with six KOs, he's better than his record would indicate. And then Darrell, who was coming off a 17 month layoff, who's used to fighting like guys, not an unranked fighter and stuff like that. That's going to be a tough draw for somebody again, who's coming off 17 months. And then also um, the fact that he's, you I mean, you're going to have that ring rust. You're going to have, he's coming off a loss. Um, so th- those are some of the things that is going to impact his performance. And so I just thought that Davis performed well yesterday. It was a, it was a tactical match at times, you know, both show superb skills battling from outside and inside. Um, I thought Darrell uh, had the better skills and the uh, experience. Like going into the fight, I was thinking that based on the fact that from what I saw, him having better skills and having more experience, that what he was going to do was take Davis into um, deep waters and then drown him at the end of the fight. But I was wrong because Davis had a lot more in a tank going into those championship rounds than I thought that he would because he had never fought 
past 10 rounds before. And I think he only fought a 10 round bout only once in his career, but he's young and he's like energetic and he's reaching his peak in terms of he's on an upswing. You know what I mean? And Darrell is kind of like heading down, but he's still good. At this stage of his career, I think that that's the only thing he can get up for is like those big fights that's going to have him train as hard as he possibly can because he looked a little bit – I've seen Darrell look in better shape. You know what I mean? He called himself the dog, but he's kind of looking like Clifford, the big red dog to a little certain degree. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> I mean, I like Darrell, so don't, don't – don't, don't. if you hear this, Anthony Darrell, don't, don't get upset, bro. Um, but I, I think that – you know, if, if it was somebody else, both of these guys, really, to be honest with you, if Caleb Plant, you know, wanted to take on an opponent, if he's not injured based on his last fight, I think either one of these guys would be a good match. But I think Darrell would provide him with some really good resistance. That'd be a good defense um, to take right now. And I think that that would be like a probably a 65, 35, 70, 30 fight in favor of plant but i think that Darrell, with his experience and the fact that you give him a training camp where you can specifically focus in on just caleb plant i think that he would provide him with a good um you know match so who knows but as far as the fight i had it 116 to 112 it could have been 115 and 113 if it was a draw i could see that too you know it depends because it was a couple close rounds in there and mainly the reason why i thought that Darrell won is what you said danny as far as he was more accurate, right? He landed um, on average like 30%, 37% of his shots as opposed to Davis who landed 27% of the shots. But Davis was a little bit more accurate. But I tend to lean towards the guy who's landing the cleaner, more effective shots. And I thought that that was um, derailed throughout most of the fight. Anything else you guys want to touch on um, before we go into our last topic? Or anything you want to talk about as far as that fight is concerned? Uh yeah yeah um yeah yeah no sir I agree with you guys um you know I just want to see Durrell I, I I like Durrell I like the Durrell Durrell family I think they used to get uh, a lot of undue criticism you know and that's a Michigander um I've been around the boxing scene I've you know seen them in the flesh personally you know um, they're very approachable especially uh, Anthony so I mean he's a great guy you know. It, it, it's different for me as a as a fan versus um, a person who's seen another person in, in the flesh. You know, uh, similar to how you uh, how you will feel about Errol Spence. I, I've seen Anthony Durrell in the flesh. You know? so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's one of great things for him. You know? He's a good guy, man. Overcame uh, cancer and whatnot. He just seemed like a real solid dude. But I I think that um, yeah, don't write him off too soon. You know what I mean? Like I said, I right. think that. Oh, I got about a year or so left, you know, at the elite level, at least, you know, if he's properly trained and focused in on, you know, one of those champions. I think he, think he can give him a really good go. I mean, you're talking about speaking of um, Michigan, and, you know, if we can directly focus in on Flint, uh, Michigan, next week, we also got a number one pound for pound fighter, and this is in uh, women's box, and she will be in action next week. She'll be taking on another champion in Marie Eve Dakari or Dakar in a unification match in the super welterweight division. What are you fellas predicting um, the likely outcome will be for next week's bout between Clarissa Shields and 
uh, Marie Eve Dakari. Okay, we had Clarissa Shields, uh, ten and zero, uh, two knockouts uh, from fighting out of Flint, Michigan, where the Darrell, you know, it's 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 a boxing, definitely a boxing city. It's an un un uh, underrated boxing city, you know. It, it's about an hour from Detroit, which Detroit will get some a lot of that credit, but in Flint you had the Darrells, you had Clarissa Shields, you have you know Chris Bird and and so on, and the Bird family who. who Always been a, a, a catalyst for getting things done in that scene. Um, so Clarissa Shields is kind of like the, the the daughter or granddaughter of all that uh, against uh, Marie Eve the car from um, from Canada, seventeen and no, it uh, doesn't have any knockouts. Um, what I've seen this fight, Shields has improved a lot, you know, in a, in a, especially in the past uh, few fights, and I mean she improved like. Like another fight we just talked about in this podcast, Canelo has improved. I think she's gotten really, really sharp. Um, it's almost like she's listening to a lot of those critics who talks about, you know, how you know women boxers are this or aren't that, and she really sharpened up her game as far as her combinations, how she looks. It's it's kind of sometimes I'm, I watch her fights, I'm like, oh, okay, whoa. And I don't normally, I haven't seen common, you know, sharpness like that, you know, since. The, the golden area, the golden era of, you know, women's boxing, which was, you know, the, the Layla Ali's and uh, Lucia Rikers and um, the, Ann Wolf since that era. Um, so she's definitely, she's definitely, you know, the one to beat. Uh, her career has kind of went backwards as far as weight. I mean, while everyone goes up a weight, she's went down in weight trying to capture those titles. Uh, she got the, she was a super middleweight, got the title there, unified, went down to Middleweight unified. Now she's at like middleweight trying to do the same. Uh, Marie Eve Dakar, uh, she's an IBF champion. She in her fifth or sixth defense uh, hasn't really fought too much out of uh, Canada. So what I see in this fight, I think you know what I, I like from Marie Eve. I, she throws interesting combinations. She throws this one two, which I, I, I pretty much like. She goes to the body, which is which should aid her well against. Uh, someone like Clarissa Shields, but I do think she's going to be too wide for for how Shields fights. I think Shields is way too sharp for her, and I think um, Clarissa is going to throw some eye catching combinations and and you know hurt her a bit, and you know uh, the car might try to rough her up and do those things. But I think Shields is going to win a uh, a decision, and I also want to say uh, I'm definitely thankful that Shields decided to, you know, do some more boxing matches and not just – I thought she was going to transfer over to MMA. <laughs> and I thought – and I still think – and I probably might talk about this more next week. And I still think that's that would be a loss for boxing regardless of whether she's successful or even not with that, with going into MMA. It's, it's a loss for boxing. But I see uh, Shields winning a, a decision. All right, so the Clarissa Shields versus uh, Marie Eve Dakar. Some people say Dakar. Some people say Dakar. Um, and then, um, yeah, I, I'll just leave it at that. But let me let me break down a couple more things um, in this fight as far as what I see. Like you said, Clarissa is 10-0, two KOs. Uh, one of the glaring things about Maria Eve um, Dakar is the fact that although she has those 17 victories, you don't see any KOs. It's kind of like Savan Octi who used to fight back at 168. He rarely, if ever, had any knockouts, but he was a champion for – he was a long-reigning champion. Um, 
back in the 2000s. And like you said, um, Clarissa Shields has, I believe, two of the belts that super welterweight and Dakar has the IBF belt. Also, an advantage Clarissa Shields is going to have is that she's 25 years old and that um, Dakar is 34 years old. Um, they're both 5'8". And you have, I think this is going to be a, a, a case of you got a champion, right, in a weight class, but then you also have versus, like, the best boxer in the world. You know what I mean? So it's going to be levels to this. As far as some of the things that Clarissa Shields does well, she has fast hands. She throws um, great combinations, has the heart of a warrior, has high volume, good reflexes. She has a nice pull counter that she pulls off, and then she's solid with her defense. I believe Clarissa basically has mastered the art of artistic violence. Now, as far as her opponent, the things that I've seen from her, um, she has two of her bouts that I saw um, this week, and then I saw several highlights. She's a southpaw, so, you know, that's going to be a different look for Clarissa. Um, and she basically is going to, like, be at an angle where she's going to run you into that left hand. Like, she's, she's just going to keep running you to, into that left hand. And the other thing that she does well, which Clarissa doesn't, I, I really see Clarissa go to the body, and she goes to the body uh, much more and is an effective body puncher. As far as the cons for Clarissa is going to be that, is that she rarely goes to the body, and then with two knockouts and ten victories, that she um, lacks power. It doesn't look like it, but, you know, the KO record indicates that, or ratio indicates that she doesn't have um, that much pop in her punches. As far as the cons for Dakar, um, she she appears to be slower um, than a lot slower than Shields. But we'll see once they enter the ring, and she lacks adequate head movement, and you know she keeps her hands down too. She's kind of like one of the fighters that we talked about last week, um, the Josh fighter out of um, the UK. Not as bad, but she just doesn't keep her hands up a lot, so that could be trouble for her when she faces Clarissa uh, next week. And I expect that it will. Now, for me, the likely outcome will be, I think this is going to be a good fight in the first half of, of the fight uh, because the car does presents, present um, certain technical um, things that she does that Clarissa is going to have to figure out. You know, and I think that she'll be calculating the data, you know, throughout the first part of the fight. And then Clarissa, she'll begin to break her down you know, probably after like the fifth or sixth round. So once she solved the puzzle, I think she accrues to a clear decision victory uh, in this fight. So um, because really, basically, I just think that Clarissa is just an overall better fighter, you know, as far as technique, skill, speed, you know. And then the last thing that I'm going to say is that, you know, she's just, as far as defensively, she's just more slippery than the car. And so, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's going to be a good fight and I'll be tuning in. Hey, man, you guys said it as good as I could have, better than I could have, really. So I'm going to keep mine very short and sweet. There are certain athletes that I don't bet against. And in the sport of boxing, as long as she sticks with boxing, I would not bet against the quote. So, um, so I got, I got, soon to be missing something. (laughs) There's the game. 
Oh, gate. Oh, okay. But yeah, man, the, the last thing I'm gonna ask you, you know, and, and yeah, we'll definitely be tuning into that Bob next you know. week. But um, one thing I did want to ask you, fellas, um, and this is impromptu, but the, yesterday I put on YouTube the top five current punchers in boxing. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to check that out, but did you agree with it, or would you? Who would you say? is the top five boxers or just not necessarily the top five boxers, but who are the top punchers in boxing right now? If you can just answer that before we wrap up. It was on point. Uh, any, any top punches today without Deontay Wilder and, and Javante Davis is not really a list. Um, but I, I like the picks you made, uh, but bitter beef and, you know, um, I, one, I'm not sure if I would list Triple G as a puncher today. I mean, I, I had to see more of what he does because he hasn't been really active. So I, I wasn't sure who to replace him with if I put him in – I was going to put him in honorable mention. But I'm not sure who to really replace him with as more, much as I think about it. Um, but it was a good list. Yeah, I agreed it was a good list. Um, I, you know, when I first when I first listened to it, I was thinking, you know, who could I possibly put to replace these guys? But, you know, and you already you already got out ahead of it and said it via text, Will. Outside of someone like a Berlanga, um, I couldn't really think of anyone. And he it's still kind of early for him because of just because of who he's faced so far. So I appreciate it. And yeah, I, I'm I, bad for putting I you fellas on the spot. You know what I mean? That's something that you have to, like, go through you know, like some list and be like, oh, okay, no, I forgot him. You know what I mean? But you really didn't have time to go ahead and look through any of the divisions and, and things like that. But I, I certainly appreciate it. Uh, anything else you guys want to uh, speak on before we wrap things up? One of the quick things I'll say, I'll give a few, I'll give a few shout outs. Uh, one of the cool things about, uh, you know, being somewhat active in the, the local fight community is, is, uh, Knowing whether by name or by by face or even being in the same gym with them, guys that are actively competing. And so, if anybody's from you know from the Norfolk boxing scene or from the House of Muay Thai is listening, uh, I just want to say congrats to to Oct. Octavian is one of the fighters, uh, one of the uh, Muay Thai fighters, had a tournament in Nashville and went three and zero between yesterday and today. And, and one of his weight class, um, want to say shout out and congrats to Keyshawn Davis, Norfolk fighter, who had his debut on the Canelo undercard, got a second round stoppage. And good luck to the guys, the amateur guys who are competing next week. Uh, I believe it's Umar and Benji. So, Here, so is that is that Davis? Is he related to the other Davis that fought? Um, he's not related to that Davis, but he does have two brothers that that do okay. fight so one you, you fellas had me confused yesterday before he did, you know? <laughs> but it was a different like, Davis. yeah i had i had to research all of them like hmm, <laughs> who did y'all fight because I, I i know someone else turned pro a few weeks ago so i had to go back and look at who, who that was so yeah you know yeah no that's cool man shout out to those fellas you know good luck and and, and keep the momentum going uh moving forward sir as we always say make sure you follow us um it. you know youtube you know just keep Checking us out on this podcast right here. We're going to keep getting better and better and trying to give you all the latest and greatest in the sport of boxing. Um, on that note, we're going to go ahead and get up out of here. Enjoy your Monday. Enjoy your week. And we'll catch you 
back the same time next week.